it's, uh, it's the most stunning truth claim in all of history, that Jesus paid it all, that our sin had left a crimson stain, but he, Jesus, washed it white as snow. That song we just sung was penned in an effort to capture in lyrical form what Jesus himself clearly and publicly and repeatedly claimed. In, in the Gospel of Mark, you'll see the verse on the screen. Jesus himself said, I'm going to Jerusalem, and it's there that I'm going to be condemned to death. I'm going to be delivered over. I'm going to be mocked, and I'm going to be spit on. I'm going to be flogged, and I'm going to be killed. <clears throat> but then follow with me, because it's Easter Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't stop there. He went on to say that after three days, I will rise. And it's in light of his bold statement that came out of the mouth of Jesus and in light of the reliable evidence that he actually proved himself to be the son of God by actually pulling it off. I want to wish each and every one of you a happy Easter. We could not be more thrilled that you're here today. And I just want to acknowledge that in this room, there's some of you who came in here, you walked through the doors ready to celebrate. You've experienced the power of the risen Jesus in your own life, and you are already believing, and you're here for celebration, and we're excited that you're here. But if you wouldn't mind, I want to give a little bit of shout out to, or a little bit of elbow room for those of you who came into this room, not necessarily at that point in the journey of faith. You've come in here, and you're on a different point on the spectrum, you, you might have real serious questions about faith in general, and specifically the Christian faith. Some of you who have experienced things and gone through things that have completely turned you off to all of this. And I just want you to know that if that's you, if you've yet to believe what we're singing, what we're hearing today, and you don't yet, you don't yet believe this, and you don't ever envision yourself believing this, we're still so glad that you're here, and we welcome you here at McLean Bible Church. In fact, we want to be a church where people can ask serious questions and not feel like they have to check their concerns at the door. Maybe you were invited by your friend or your neighbor or your coworker, or maybe your mom shot you a text and said, Easter warm meal on me if you just come to church today. You consulted your checking account, and you decided mom's warm meal over Wendy's drive-thru four for four, and you made a good decision. <laughs> We're excited that you're here, but can we just acknowledge you're here, and you just are not yet believing? And maybe some of you don't even envision a reality in which you would believe this. Some of you, it was loneliness that prompted you to get up out of your bed today and walk through these doors. Others of you are just pondering life on a deeper level, and you're here. Others of us are walking through really painful seasons. There's like, there is a hurt deep down in our bones, and we're just trying to find something to make sense of this broken world. But we're here. And what I want to say is, no matter 
who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter where you are on that spectrum of faith, we are so glad you made it today to be a part of this worship service of the risen King, Jesus Christ. I want to start off by asking a question, just putting a question out there for each of us to consider as we dive into one of the gospel accounts of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that question is this, is there a truth that addresses every one of our deep needs and longings in life? Is there a truth that is so real, so beautiful, so transcendent that it in fact addresses every one of our deep needs and longings in this life. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 15. We're going to be in Mark chapter 15 into Mark chapter 16, but I'm going to have the verses on the screen. What I want you to understand is these verses that we're going to see, that I'm going to reference, that we're going to be talking about today, there is very strong evidence that what these verses represent are words that were written within the lifetime of eyewitnesses. This is important. What I'm telling you is, is what we're talking about today wasn't cooked up a couple of hundred years after the fact. What we're talking about today was written down, was recorded within the lifetime of eyewitnesses, likely within 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Mark gives us an incredible look at the death of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, and Mark, I mean, uh, Jesus said uh, he was going to die. He was going to be delivered over. He was going to be spit on. He was going to be mocked, brutally flogged, publicly humiliated. And there he is nailed to a cross. And hanging there on that cross, Mark records, after hours of torture, Jesus utters a loud cry and breathes his last. And Mark shares that the centurion who stood there and saw this, the only words that he could muster up was, truly, this man was the son of God. And Mark records very clearly, Jesus of Nazareth is dead. Exactly as he said, and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and, Meth- and the younger and of Joseph and Salome who looked on from a distance. Listen, they are devastated. All their hopes and their dreams are crushed. The man who knew them best and loved them most hung there lifeless. The very one who delivered Mary Magdalene over from intense, unimaginable evil and suffering, there his tortured body, his lifeless body is hanging on the cross. The very one that they had left everything for. They were banking on this one was going to be able to right every wrong, and there he is, he's dead. His lifeless body is hanging on the cross. And make no mistake about it, the movement is over. It is over. 
All the disciples have scattered in fear. The hope that this is the Messiah that will right every wrong and establish his kingdom had just died a brutal and humiliating death. And Mark goes on to share very specific details certifying that Jesus actually died. He gives specific names and specific details by citing the names, what Mark is saying in Mark chapter 15, verses 42 through 47, he's essentially saying, you can go fact check me on this one. You can go ask these people. Here are their names. Joseph of Arimathea. Here's, here's the name. There was a centurion right there that saw this whole thing go down. Now, when you think centurion, I know some of you have your Easter cantata at your church that you grew up with, okay? And it's some middle-aged man with a dad bod holding a plastic shield in his hand when you hear centurion. And I just want to remove that picture out of your head. I want you to accurately understand what's going on here. You need to be thinking special forces, You need to be thinking someone who was very trained in what he was doing, and he certifies to Pilate, Jesus of Nazareth is dead. He goes on to say that these two women there at the tomb, I mean at the cross, they see that he is dead. Jesus of Nazareth has died. And Mark goes on to share the historical events that when Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, they saw where the dead body, the lifeless corpse was laid into the tomb. And then after the Sabbath, they go and they buy spices so that they might go and anoint the dead body of Jesus. They wanted to finish the burial rites on Jesus's lifeless body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, Mark records, they went to the tomb. Now notice, and this is important, notice that none of them are going to the tomb looking for the resurrection. If you're tracking with the details, you're probably thinking, hey guys, like, brighten up a little bit. He said these things. They went down exactly as he said. Guess what? One, two, three days. It's game time, right? The first century group text should be blowing up at this point in time, right? Like for real guys, get it together. Grab your camera. We're going to meet down at the olive tree. Day three, let's go. But that's not what's happening. The disciples are nowhere to be found. And these women have bought spices to go anoint a dead body. And this blows up the assumption that many have in our culture, in our day-to-day, that the resurrection of the dead is something that was more believable for those ancient times. But today, we more sophisticated people, we more modern people, we wouldn't dare believe that a dead man actually got out of the grave. But you need to see that these people found it just as hard to believe that a dead man would get out of the grave as you and I do today. They're going to anoint a dead body, and they get there, and Mark records that the stone has been rolled away. 
And entering into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Now, this is the good part. He goes on to say, he has risen. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He has risen. You're seeking the man who has died, but in fact, there's news today. He has risen. And ladies and gentlemen, based upon the historical eyewitness accounts and having seen clear evidence, this is not a legend. This is not religious hype. This is news today. This is good news for you and for me. He has risen. He has risen, and at that moment, moving forward, lives would be changed, history would be redirected, and heaven, heaven itself would be opened up for anyone who would look to Jesus and place their faith in the crucified and risen Savior. Heaven would open up. And so I want you to understand today, the resurrection is good news, What we have to offer you today at NBC Loudoun, what we have to offer you today at McLean Bible Church is not a new philosophy. It's not a new moral code for you to start following. It's not a religious framework for you to live your life by. At the heart of it is news. It's good news. It's the best news you'll you'll ever hear. And to be clear, it is the news that the power of God has brought forth Jesus from the dead, unleashing his grace and his mercy and his compassion on anyone who would just look to him. What I'm trying to tell you is that the Christian headline is not, here's how you need to live. The headline is, here's what Jesus did for you in history. What I'm trying to press into your life right now is that hope is found in a historical event, not in human effort. Let me say that again. Hope is found in a historical event, not in your human effort. And it's the most reasonable thing, ladies and gentlemen, for you to put your faith, your hope, your trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There's substantial evidence and solid arguments for the death and resurrection. In fact, the resurrection provides answers for the skeptics. I remember talking with someone who didn't believe in God and we were having a philosophical debate and we were going back and forth. And at the very end, I just asked him, I said, can I ask you a question? What if Jesus really did get out of the grave? And he was intellectually honest enough to look back at me and say, then everything I just said would not be true. The resurrection provides answers for the skeptics. And make no mistake about it, the tomb is empty. And there's a large number of people in varying circumstances that are testifying that they have seen the risen Jesus. 
physically have seen him. And history tells us that this group of cowardly, retreating, uh, fearful disciples came out of hiding and had such courage that, that they would withstand persecution. You, in fact, could kill them if you wanted to. They just couldn't stop sharing the news. You know Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was crucified? He's risen from the grave. Do to us what you want. We can't stop telling you what we saw. This is good news. This is good news. And the risen Jesus started to appear to many people. But I love the very first person out of the gate that he shows himself to. Do you know who it is? He doesn't go to the powerful. He doesn't go to the well-positioned. He doesn't go to the wealthy or the holy. He doesn't even go to his 12 closest disciples. He first appears in bodily resurrection to a woman who was hurting, to a brokenhearted woman. John's gospel account says Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and she wept. And as she wept, she stooped in to look into the tomb. I need you to understand this this kind of hurt is the hurt that that you're not sure you're going to be able to pull things together to make it another day. That's where she is. This is the kind of hurt that she's struggling to see out of her eyes because her eyes are so filled with her own tears. And John goes on to say that she turned around and she saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to this brokenhearted woman, Mary, he appeared to her. The very first appearance out of the gate is to a hurting person. And I'm here to tell each and every one of you, if you are going through a hurt, if you are going through pain in your life, this is a dark space for you, a dark time. The real life brokenness of this world is pressing in. I need you to know that there's something about that brokenness. There's something about those tears that the resurrected Jesus is attracted to. The resurrection is news like no other for the hurting. The resurrection offers hope to the hurting. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no other faith system. There's no other religious figure. There's no other philosophy that gives the ground level support and the overarching hope to hurting people like the news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And I want you to understand that if God can take the most evil act in human history, the death of his own son, and he can bend it towards his glory and your everlasting joy, then you can have absolute confidence. Whatever you've been through and whatever you're going through, God can take that hurt. He can heal you. He can be with you, and he can turn it into a glory. I love what C.S. Lewis writes in The Great Divorce. 
It's one of those statements that just, I paused when I was reading it. It just floored me. C.S. Lewis says this, they say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. What he's saying is that some of you have gone through such hurt. Some of you have gone through such deep pain that the, just the words, well, some future heaven will make up for what you've been through, is almost insulting. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what was done to me. And it sounds insulting to say that some future bliss is going to make up for that. But C.S. Lewis goes on to say, he says, not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into glory. Do you hear the hope in the resurrection? That this resurrection can take every one of our hurts and turn it into a glory. This makes me think of Joni Erickson Tata, one of my heroes of the faith. This is a picture of her in her wheelchair. At the age of 17, Joni Erickson Tata misjudged the shallowness of the Chesapeake Bay, and she dove in, and as she dove in, she, she broke two, uh, two of her vertebrae, leaving her uh, paralyzed from the shoulders down. And she experienced intense anger and depression. She was depressed beyond belief, but she settled into her hope that she has in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I want you to hear what she said. She wrote this. She said, being paralyzed, it's impossible for me to kneel for prayer. Once at a convention, the speaker closed his message by asking everyone in the room to kneel on the floor for prayer. All 500 people got on their knees all except me. And I cried, not because I felt awkward, but because I was so struck with the beauty of seeing so many people bow in worship. I breathed the prayer, Lord Jesus, I can't wait for the day when I will rise on resurrected legs. The first thing I will do is drop on grateful, glorified knees. The resurrection provides answers for your questions. And the resurrection provides hope for every ounce of your hurt. But I also want to press in another thing the resurrection provides us. Jumping back into the Mark's gospel account, I love that the angel in the empty tomb tells the women he has risen. You're looking for the, the one who died on the cross. He's not here. He's risen. And then what does he say? Go tell his disciples and who? Peter. And tell them that he's going before them to, to, to Galilee. Now, that's an odd way of saying it is, it, is it not? Peter's one of the disciples. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Well, let me ask you this. It would kind of be like you saying, hey, go tell the Taylor family and Britain to meet us over here for lunch. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm part of the Taylor family. What are you talking about? Well, what's going on here is that you need to realize that just a few days before this, Peter looks Jesus in the eye. He looks the Messiah in the eye and he says, I'm your ride or die. I will never leave you. Whatever you go through, I will be right beside you. I will never leave you. And Jesus says, Peter, Peter, before 
the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he insists, I would never do such a thing. And we know the story that Jesus was betrayed. He was arrested. A mob was forming. And Peter denies Jesus. I never knew him. And every gospel account gives record of Peter denying Jesus. Luke gives us the extra, the extra uh, part of the story that says that final time when Jesus says, I never knew him, the Lord looked at Peter. Can you imagine what Peter felt in that moment? It says Peter left there and wept bitterly. Peter blew it. And some of you right here, right now, you feel that. That's your story. You feel like a disappointment. Your past is a testimony to how you have failed. Your current situation, your setting, what you're sitting in right now is evidence that you are a disappointment in your eyes that you have have not lived up to your own standard. You've made errors. You have failed. And and what I want you to see is that, that there's hope in here for you. But others of you in this room, there's no doubt in my mind, Loudoun County is filled up with these kind of people that you think basically I'm a good person. If the afterlife is a good place for good people, it seems like I'm going to make the cut. You're not claiming to be perfect. You've, you've made some mistakes, but what you are saying is you think you're good enough. And can I just press in and question whether or not you and I at a heart level are actually good? You know the comic books, they have little bubbles over their head and it tells the reader what the character is thinking Imagine just right now, in these few moments, you had a bubble over your head and it was saying to everyone in this room exactly the thoughts that were popping into your mind. Is that not a terrifying thought right now for me? (laughs) Think about the past week. Everywhere you went, anyone you interacted with, they see exactly what you're thinking. They're not all bad thoughts, but would we at least acknowledge, even when we do good things, it's mixed with wrong, bad ambitions. And you might be saying, well, Britton, I've never killed anyone. I've never stolen. I'm not cheating on my spouse. But Jesus says, if you're angry, if you've lusted, you're guilty. And we're not even bringing in to the conversation the mega offense of all offenses that you have denied God's rightful place in your life. The preeminent position of your life. That he's first, he's God. And here's the reality. You and I have sinned our way into bondage and there is no easy way out today. And you can try to cover it up. You can make excuses. You can even minimize it. But you need to hear me say the word of God says that God is perfectly good and holy. And sinful people like you and like me cannot be where he is. So is there any hope for us today? 
And here's the good news of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. God offers to get us out of trouble based upon his own, at his own expense. That's the good news. And so I need you to listen because this might be one of the most important things you hear all day long. God does not redeem you by casually sweeping your sin and his standard under the rug. That's not how he redeems you. When Jesus was on that bloody cross, he cried out, it is finished. It is finished. What was finished? What was finished was the, the, the substitutionary death. He, he took upon the sins of the world. He did exactly what John the Baptist said. This is the Lamb of God who takes upon the sins of the world. And he did it. And right there on the cross, as he's dying a brutal death, he said, it is finished. Ladies and gentlemen, your redemption will not come from God being lenient with you. God will be true to his character and true to who he is at all times, at all points in time in history and forever and ever. But I will tell you this, redemption will come to you when perfect justice and perfect righteousness are fully satisfied in the death of Jesus. And Jesus claimed it is finished. The resurrection extends grace to failures. And it's in the resurrection you need to hear that your sin, your failure doesn't have the last word. Jesus has the last word. That's what the resurrection is clearly saying, that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, he is a mighty friend of sinners. He is the ally of his enemies. He is the defender of the indefensible. There was no defense for what Peter did. And there's no defense for what you and I have done. But Jesus said, I'll be their defender. He's the justifier of those who have no excuses left. And for all of us, all of us who come to a point in our life that we admit we have made a mess of it. And we are hurting and we're broken and we need something not in us, but outside of us. We need something so real, so beautiful, transcendent that it's going to meet me in my deep needs and it's going to fulfill me in my deep longings. You look to Jesus and you will find a welcome from him, a welcome from Jesus. When you come to Jesus, you're going to find two things. You are far more sinful than you ever imagined. And you are far more loved than you could ever believe. That's the good news. That's the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus himself said, while he was walking on this earth, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Because he died, you don't have to. And because he was risen, you get to. That's Easter Sunday. 
You can bank your life on this news and you can hope in it. Whatever this life throws your way and at the very end when you breathe your last and you stand in the presence of a holy God, for those of us who are in Christ, who have looked to Christ, you will find a welcome from him. So the response question that I want to leave you is this. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Tim Keller rightly says, when you you correctly understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you, you're either running to him or you're running away from him. So the question right now is, are you running to him Or are you running away from him? And for those of you who are running away from him, will you please, please turn to Jesus. Trust in him even now. I'm gonna invite our worship team back up. And as they make their way back up here, I just wanna leave this question before you. In light of what we've heard today, in light of what we've sung, in light of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, According to the gospel of Mark, I want you to just search your life and ask the all-important question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And in just a few moments, our worship team is going to lead us in a song of response. But before they do that, will every one of you be intellectually honest in this moment? Don't play religious games. Ask yourself the question, do you believe this?